I don't know if you, like me, enjoy property programs. You know those property programs on TV, you know, grand designs, you know, ugly house, beautiful house, flip it and love it and all those things. Well, um, one of the ones that I really enjoy watching is DIY SOS. Anybody else watch that? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you haven't seen it, the basic premise is that someone buys a house that is run down and needs lots of work doing to it. Or worse still, they've had a builder who's come and done stuff and it hasn't worked out and they need rescuing. And often there's a bit of a backstory that maybe there's someone in the family who's not well or they've got extra people moving into the family and so they really need this house fixed. In fact, this last week it was a very moving episode because it was set in... Grenfell Towers, and they rebuilt uh, a youth club and kind of a boxing training club for young people in that area under a flyover. It, it, was, it was really moving. And anyway, so when I watch these programs, and you've got like everything's a disaster, then they come up with a plan and they get loads of volunteers in, they turn it around and then right at the end you get the beautiful reveal, you know, where the house looks perfect, every cushion in place, you know, just like our homes, yeah? And um, you, you, you feel good about it, but also it reminded me of what God does in the church because he takes us, we're kind of broken and messed up and he... He calls us into his body to be his people, and he works with us, and we work with him, and we're transformed into something that is beautiful. And I have a passion for the church, and so this morning I wanted to talk a little bit about that, and I'm going to look at the book of Ephesians, just pick out three verses, because that's a book that really talks about not only the life of Christ in us as individuals, but how we work that out as a church. So let's begin by looking at Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 8. If you've got your Bibles, that's great, great. otherwise it will come up on the screen. Ephesians 3, verse 8. Although I am least than the let Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this is Paul speaking, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless grace of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. So the mystery he's talking about is the fact that now The good news of Jesus Christ is available to everybody, Gentiles, not just the Jewish people. And Paul goes on to say, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to this eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God's intent is that through the church, through you and me, his manifold wisdom will be made known. And when he talks about manifold witness, his wisdom, he's talking about the kind of multi-layered wisdom of God, all his grace and truth, all that makes God who he is and all that he does in the earth is kind of made visible by us in the church. Because as we gather together, people from 
all different places and backgrounds, ages and stages of life, men and women, as we gather together, something is displayed that is bigger and more in-depth than just could be displayed in one individual Christian's life. It's a bit like a diamond. You know, when diamonds come out of the earth, they're just rough and dull. They have to be uh, cut into lots of different facets so that they reflect uh, the light through them. Uh, I've got a few little diamonds here, and I've had them for over 40 years, but they still sparkle because that's what diamonds do. They are strong, and they refract and reflect the light. And, you know, when we're all together, we reflect something of God's light. The fact that he could have mercy and save so many different types of people. That he could uh, speak to people from all different intellectual backgrounds. That he could gather us together and reconcile us to each other, even though normally we perhaps wouldn't have much in common with each other. And yet here we are, all in the same room, meeting together. That's why continuing to kind of reach people who are different from us is so important, because it's as we gather in our diversity that God's wonderful plan is made evident, because he's always wanted a people that would be Um, from every tribe and tongue and nation. That goes way back to Abraham, who said that he would be, God said to him, he would be a blessing to the nations. And the book of Exodus, where God had a plan to bring people out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land. God has a plan, and the church is his plan. That's how he works out his purposes. But it isn't just about us building a community and gathering together on a Sunday and worshipping together, wonderful though that is. The church is meant to be the base from which the preaching of the gospel, the good news of the gospel, can go out to our neighbours, our friends, our workplaces. That's why we use Alpha as our main evangelistic kind of tool, because Alpha is is a team thing. Alpha relies on you and I inviting people to come along. And then when people come along to Alpha, when it starts, uh, there's going to be people on the door welcoming them. There'll be people in the kitchen cooking. There'll be those who serve the food, those who host the tables, those who speak, those who lead discussions. And As someone comes in and they see all that, they see all the different people that God has brought together on a team, it helps them to understand something more about Christianity than if they just met one Christian. And they begin to make friends, they begin to belong, and then that makes believing so much easier. And that's what happened in the early church. Well, they didn't actually run Alpha, but they had similar things where they worked together. Um, Jesus, in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 16, 18, uh, he tells Peter that he's going to build the church on Peter. Uh, it's, It's a moment where Peter has just declared to Jesus, you are the Christ, you are the Son of God. And, and, And Jesus says, you know, I tell you, Peter... 
You are this rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not uh, overcome it. And there's that, that sense that God is going to uniquely use Peter, but he's going to face some opposition. And that's what happened. But, you know, on the day of Pentecost, it was Peter that got up and he preached the gospel for the first time to crowds of people. But he wasn't one man standing on a street corner. He had all the other Christians were standing with him who'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. And as people responded, they invited them back to their homes. So there were these small groups all over Jerusalem where they were retelling the stories of Jesus and people were being knit together in community. God has always used the church, a group of people, as his way to spread the gospel. People were not just added to Peter, they were added to the community, to the church. And they faced opposition. As Jesus said, the the gates of hell tried to come against them. Charles Colson, who was a a corrupt politician in the USA a couple of decades ago, he ended up in jail and he found faith in Jesus. He was released from jail and then he kind of went back into jail to preach the gospel. He became an evangelist and he wrote this, the church is not incidental to the great cosmic struggle for the hearts and souls of modern men and women. It is the instrument God has chosen for that battle, a battle we are called to by virtue of our being members of his body. So Paul had said that it's through the church that the manifold wisdom of God will be shown to the spiritual powers in the heavenly places. And the fact is, we don't just face human opposition, indifference, or sometimes we get mocked, don't we, for being Christians, but actually we face spiritual opposition as well. There is a devil, and he hates the church. And he, he, he hates the church because he sees in the church is demonstrated the manifold wisdom of God, the rich mercy and deep truth of God is reflected in us. So he does all he can to divide and undermine and destroy and split the church. And you know, our continued unity speaks to those powers that God's plan will not be thwarted. When we gather and we worship, we demonstrate the fact that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When we baptize people, which we're going to do next Sunday, we're testifying together as a group that within us, people are being transformed. When we love people and we reach out to people on the edge and we feed them and we give them a a safe place to deal with their struggles, like in the feast, then we're demonstrating that the church of God will change things in society. No weapon formed against us can prosper. No gates can prevail against us. The church will advance. That is God's plan, and it will not be thwarted. But God doesn't just have a plan for the church in general. 
He has a plan for each one of us in the church. And that is, that's so wonderful. You know, when you see DIY SOS, um, they bring in lots of different volunteers, tradesmen and builders and craftsmen, and people who are used to working by themselves and doing their own thing. And often you'll have like a little terraced house, and there might be 20 or 30 workmen working the plan, coming together to transform something. And you know, that's what we do. When we come together in the church, let me read Ephesians 4, where Paul talks about this. Ephesians 4, verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I love this picture that we are the body of Jesus. We represent him on the earth. And this illustration, it says so many things. Firstly, it says that we all need to play our part. Secondly, it says that we all need to be connected to each other. Remember that, that old song, the thigh bone connected to the hip bone? You know, we all need to be connected to one another to function. And then we also need to be connected to the head, Jesus, so that he can direct and fill us. You know, anyone who has stubbed their little toe or suffered a toothache knows that every little part of your body really matters. And each one of us really matter. Whatever you think about yourself, whether you think you have gifts or you don't, you won't make a difference or not, actually to God, you are an essential part of his plan for this church. You know, um, a few years ago, well, one of the things I've always wanted to do is be part of a gospel choir. And um, I had a bit of a problem because I can kind of sing a melody, but I've never been any good at harmonizing. So, you know, when you have to hold a different part, if I was standing next to someone who was, you know, singing a different part, I would immediately lose mine and veer into theirs, you know. And um, so, you know, harmonies are crucial to a gospel choir. But a few years ago, I worked in a hospital, and they had a gospel choir every year at Christmas, and there were no auditions. So it was great. I'm like, I'm going to join this. And I really loved it because we got together. Fortunately, they had some strong singers who kind of carried the rest of us. But, you know, you made friends with people you wouldn't have met otherwise from different departments, doctors and nurses and technicians and cleaners. And we all got together and we put on a big concert for patients and their families and other staff. And, you know, it was beneath the big Christmas tree. And it it was lovely. It was great to be part of something bigger than myself. And, you know, the church is like that, but even better. Because, yes, in the church, we meet people we otherwise wouldn't. We make friends, and sometimes we learn skills, and we we get gifts that we otherwise wouldn't have. But, you know, more than that, when we work together, 
the Holy Spirit uses us. I mean, that's incredible, isn't it? That the Holy Spirit works through us as we work together. And that means, you know, in kids' work, you can just think, I'm just playing my part, I'm just telling this story. But a child can come to faith and the whole of the rest of their life be affected because the Holy Spirit has used you. Or you can be in the welcome team and you can bring someone in and find them a seat and get them a drink and be friendly to them. And maybe for them, they've, they're really lonely and it's going to make a world of difference to them to feel like I can belong here. You know, the hungry get fed here. On a Wednesday night, night the hall is fed, filled with people getting fed, but also finding a place where their struggles can be addressed safely and they can find hope and purpose in their life. And people thousands of miles away get affected by what the Holy Spirit does in us. So electricity is going to a tiny school way in the outback of Zimbabwe because we ate some cakes together over the summer and donated. And right now, uh, Ian and Angela, members of ours, they're over in China sharing the gospel with people in China because of what we do as a group. Of course... It's not always easy to connect with this big body of Christ because there are hundreds of people that come here on a Sunday. And, you know, the fingers are no good by themselves, are they? They have to be connected to a hand. And that's why we form groups and we make a big deal about encouraging you to sign up to a group or a serving team because you need to get connected with four or five other people and be known, and work together, and, and, and begin to build those friendships that will mean that we are family together. Now, we're not always going to get it right. There will be misunderstandings and disappointments because we're human. We're a work in progress, aren't we? So let's connect with patience and forgiveness. Let's Build each other up in love, as Paul says, so that we can reflect his love. Terry Virgo, who is, uh, was the founding father of New Frontiers, which is the group of churches we belong to, he's written loads about the church, and one of his books um, says this, Christ's chief desire for each local church is to prosper it, display his glory there, and set before it an open door of fruitful service which no one can close. And at King's, we want to be fruitful. We want to continue to grow in depth. We want to grow to love Jesus more and to care for one another more. But we also are committed to growing in size. We want other people to come and know Jesus who don't already know him. This week, um, I walk my dog every morning. And uh, usually when I walk my dog, I just kind of walk around the roads where I live. 
I might see 10, 15 people, not many people really. But this Wednesday, it was obviously the day when everybody went back to school. And so everybody had obviously put on their alarms early. And as I walked out, I could literally see 50, 75, I mean, like tons of people just walking down the road. And there was a queue of traffic as well. And it just made me stop and think. Even in the smallest, quietest road, behind every door, there's two, three, four people. And in every road, there are hundreds of people. And in our boroughs of Lewisham and Bromley and Greenwich, where we live, and there are thousands of people yet to know about Jesus, yet to see something that would make them think, I want to find out more about Jesus. And so we are determined to keep opening the door. I mean, that's why we're going to Beckenham. That's why we're launching out into Beckenham. Because we believe there's more people who need to know about Jesus. And we want to make room here in Catford, send some of those people out to Beckenham, so more people can come to Catford. And and we can grow. We can grow. Because there's thousands of people out there who need to know about Jesus. And that's going to mean we're going to all have to play our part. It might be on a rotor, kids' work, or PA, or all kinds of things. It might be praying at home earnestly for the church, or spending time talking and making friends with your neighbors and inviting them in. But each one of us must play our part if we're going to grow this church strong and big. You know, in all the DIY programs, there's a moment when the host, the presenter, kind of asks the people involved, how much has this cost you? Especially in grand designs. And it's always an awkward moment because they've always gone way over budget. Yeah. And, and they're a bit, you know, like, oh, but it, you know, it's worth it. It's worth it. And, and then you have the great reveal and you see the house and it's wonderful and beautifully decorated. And they're like, yeah, it cost us so much, but it's been really, really worth it. You know, God's plan for the church, for you and I, cost him everything. That's what it says in Ephesians 5. Let me read it to you. Ephesians 5, 25. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. Christ loved the church. He loves each one of us individually, but he loves us as a people, and he gave himself up for us. He laid down his life. He went to the cross, a brutal death, that we would be forgiven and cleansed and made holy and transformed and knit together as a people. I don't know if you went to a wedding this summer. Weddings, you know, happen in the summer. And, you know, when you're waiting as a guest, you know, you're waiting in the auditorium for the bride to arrive. And then they signal that she's here and the music begins and the bride comes through. I'm always 
I always have a dilemma in that moment because you want to look at the bride, don't you? You want to see what she's wearing, the dress, what has she done with her hair, what colour is the bouquet and the bridesmaids. You, you want to see how wonderful she looks. But I don't know about you, but I also want to look at the bridegroom because he's usually nervously standing at the front, waiting. And when he knows she's there, often he turns round, and it's a moment loaded with emotion. He's probably really relieved she's there, so that's great. But it's also a moment full of love and amazement that she's going to be his wife, and she looks so beautiful. And you know, in Ephesians, it pictures the church and Jesus as the bride and the bridegroom. And it's like Jesus looked through all eternity and history, and he saw us, his people. And he said, I want them to be my people. And I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to come to earth and die on the cross and give myself so that these people can be cleansed and forgiven and filled with the Holy Spirit and become my bride, can become my church. He saw us and he gave himself for us. What an amazing truth. We are loved by him. And you know, one day in heaven, there's going to be the the most amazing reveal when all the billions of Christians from all the millions of churches throughout history will gather together, pure and spotless, covered by the righteousness of Jesus, and we will worship him, and he will be our bridegroom. We will be loved eternally, and we will know ourselves as the body of Christ. How wonderful, how wonderful. We need to respond to that. Let's not neglect the church. Yeah? Terry Virgo says this Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. She is his special delight in all the universe. She is his joy, his preoccupation, his passion, his darling bride. In all creation, one thing fills the heart of Christ, his beloved church. We need to rediscover the incredible value and significance of the local church in God's plan and perspective. It's great to be loved by Jesus. It's great to love him back. But we need to work that out in in the church. We need to play our part. If this is your church, dive in, connect, join a group, serve Play your part, however small it is. It is vital and important. If this isn't the church for you, then go and find another church that you can wholeheartedly commit to. Be the diamond that sparkles and speaks of all the facets of his grace and truth. Let's not neglect meeting together. Let's be here on Sundays. Let's each play our part. Let's not just attend church, let's be the church. Amen. Let me just pray for us. Oh Lord Jesus, we thank you that you looked through eternity and you saw us 
and you wanted us to be your people. And so you were willing to go to the cross that we could be cleaned up and made holy because we were messed up and sinful and proud and selfish and yet you loved us and you forgave us and you drew us into your purposes. Thank you that you have a plan for this church, for kings, and you have a plan for every person in it. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Speak to us. Challenge us. Draw us into your purpose. May we go out from here to be your church in our neighborhoods, our workplaces. Lord, we love you. Build us into your church, we pray. Amen. Amen.